Welcome to today's message from Transformation Church with Pastor Jim Balzano. Amen. Well, how many of you like new stuff? You know, a lot of people like antiques. I like to look at them, but I'm not a real big fan of them. You know, it's like, all right, yep, walk through there, that's good, it's old, now I want something new. All right, well, but I like new. The Bible promises so much, so much that is new. And yet, many times, as it says there, we live in a state of old. When the Bible promises that you become a new creation, that in and of itself is one of the greatest promises of Scripture, is it not? New. So we're going to do this month, January is often talked about new, new year, but we're going to talk about that. Out with the old, in with the new. All right? Because it's hard some, with some things, it's hard to have new without getting rid of some old. How many of you know, have you, have you ever been around a hoarder? I mean, seriously, have you ever encountered a hoarder? They get rid of nothing. Nothing, right? And it just makes a cluttered mess. You can't even, you can't even separate the new from the old. And we're going to talk about getting rid of the old so that we can walk into the new. Now, i got a question for you. I'm going to talk to you a little bit this morning about a guy in the Bible that a lot of people don't know about. I'm going to talk to you about him. But I've got to ask some guys in here a minute. All right? How many of you guys know that the rooms in your house are really not yours? Okay? Like, like, like really. I mean, like, <laughs> Peter raised both hands, all right? That literally, you know, we all know, we've all heard this, that, that her stuff is her stuff and your stuff is her stuff. Okay? And all the women are saying amen. I don't see a problem with this yet. All right? And, and like, literally, uh, you, you, like, I have been dreaming for my own room in our house for years. And I kind of, I kind of, you know, so we built this addition onto the house that me and Penny and Tony and Carson, or Eric bought together. And so we put a part on it was ours, you know, the in-law place. Okay. I think we turned ours the outlaw place, but anyhow. And, and so we built this on and, and by contour of the ground, we had to put a basement in it. And so we did that. And this basement has this really, I mean, it's really nice. This really nice section that is Penny and Tony's, it's their, it's their craft room. That's where the Penny Pouch sweatshop happens, okay? You, you, you think I'm kidding. I mean, they make me work. They make Carson work. Poor Carson has to fill bags. I mean, it's just terrible. Matter of fact, she got her own sewing machine this week. She did. She sewed a couple bags on her own. It's pretty cool, actually. Okay, so she has her own stuff. So they're going to start her down that path of addiction, too. Joanne Fabric Addiction, George. And, and so, so they have this, it, I mean, it's nice. It's big. It's great. There's stuff. <sighs> Off to the side of that, I have this office. It's mine. It's my office. It's not real big. Big enough. It's fine. I got a, I got a really cool desk in there. I got it at Home Depot. You didn't know Home Depot sold desks, do you? I bought a Husky workbench and made up my desk. It's so cool looking. All right. <laughs> And I bought a husky toll chest as my desk drawers. That is so cool. All right? So I'm like all excited about this is my room. It's my space. And I walk in there one day, and there's fabric all over my table. All over my desk is fabric stacked up. Like, this is my room. Evil has squatted in my room. This is where I'm supposed to go to get into the spirit of God and, and come out with something to preach and to teach, and evil is squatting. 
in my room. So what I do? Nothing. <laughs> Fear of trepidation and common sense says, leave it alone. Don't touch it. Actually, that's not totally true. One time I walked in and I just picked it all up and I moved it out. This is my spot. Yeah, it came back. Because they taken over, squatting. You say, what does that have to do with anything I'm going to preach? Let me show you. Turn with me in your Bible, Nehemiah, Nehemiah chapter 13. The book of Nehemiah is a phenomenal book. All right. Um, I, I, just, I just love the book of Nehemiah. There's so many leadership principles in there. But in chapter 13, I, I want to I show you something. You see, because today we're going to talk about a guy named Tobiah. How many has ever heard of Tobiah? Right? You, you ought to try to t- type Tobiah in keynote. It comes out Tobias every time. You've got to fight with it. All right? Tobiah. Okay? Now, <clears throat> we're going to read with chapter 13, verse 1. It says, on that day, they read aloud from the book of Moses in the hearing of the people. And there was found written in it that no Ammonite or Moabite should ever enter the assembly of God because they did not meet the sons of Israel with bread and water, but hired Balaam against them to curse them. However, our God turned the curse into a blessing. So when they heard the law, they excluded all foreigners from Israel. So look at this. At this part that they're reading, they're saying no Ammonite, no Ammonite, no foreigner, shall have a place in the assembly of God. Now, let me talk to you for a minute. Tobiah, the Bible tells us, was an Ammonite. We're going to continue with this portion in a minute. But Tobiah was an Ammonite. Let me tell you what the book of Nehemiah says about him. All right? When Nehemiah goes back, let me give you a little history lesson. There was the Babylonian captivity where the people of God went into Babylon for 70 years because of their disobedience, because of their neglect of God. They were given over into the hands of the Babylonians for 70 years. King Cyrus becomes ruler. King Cyrus of Persia becomes the the ruler. He has it put on his heart by God to build a temple back in Jerusalem. He commissions Zerubbabel and and Joshua to go back and oversee the building of this temple in Jerusalem. When they get that done, Ezra, the scribe, goes back to teach the people the word of God in this restored Jerusalem. After Ezra goes back, then a man named Nehemiah goes back. He was the cupbearer to Artaxerxes. He goes back because he went there to rebuild the walls and rebuild the gates to bring safety and security to the city. He also did a number of reforms. Now listen to me. So when he gets there to begin to rebuild these walls, the Bible tells us that there were a couple of guys named Sanballat and another guy named Tobiah. Listen to what the Bible says about him. When Sanballat and Tobiah heard about it, it was very displeasing to them that someone had come to seek the welfare of the sons of Israel. In other words, Tobiah was ticked off that somebody was coming to benefit God's people and God himself. All right, there's another scripture that when Sambalat the Horonite and Tobiah the Ammonite and Geshem heard it, they mocked and despised us and said, what is this thing you're doing? Are you rebelling against the king? There's another place in scripture that says that they were angry and they mocked the Jews while they were building the wall. They said things like this. Even if what they're building, if a fox should jump on it, he would break their wall down. There's another one. Chapter four. That says, Tobiah, when they heard the repair of the wall, Jerusalem went on and that the breaches began to be closed. They were very angry. All of them conspired together to come against Jerusalem and cause a disturbance in it. All right, I'm setting this up. I'm going to give you another place. Then 
when they couldn't stop the wall from being built, then they tried to conspire with Nehemiah. They said to him, come, let us meet together in the plain of Ono. But they were planning to harm him. They were going to kill him. They were going to take him out. Okay, so, so get this. So here's a man who's an Ammonite. How many know that the Bible teaches us that the Ammonites were actually cursed by God because they did not welcome God's people when they came out of Egypt? This man who has a lineage of being, whose, whose family lineage opposes the people of God is now in Jerusalem. He's there. He's mocking, ridiculing, scorning, and angry that somebody is going to do something good for God's people. Okay, he opposed it, he fought it, he mocked, he was despising it, he tried to prevent it. He was the enemy of God and he was the enemy of the people. Now, fast forward to chapter 13 and watch what happens. Verse four, this is just amazing to me. Now, prior to this, Eliashib, the priest, who was appointed over the chambers of the house of our God, being related to Tobiah, had prepared a large room for him, where formerly they put the grain offerings the frankincense, the utensils, and the tithes of grain, wine, and oil prescribed for the Levites, the singers and the gatekeepers, and the contributions for the priests. This is an amazing scripture to me. It's mind-boggling to me. Does anybody else see it? Yes, thank you, Pastor. Okay, I'm in. It's not cold in here. It's cold out there. Nobody should be frozen in here this morning. This is a guy who opposed everything that God was doing in Jerusalem through Nehemiah. And the priest of the temple says, oh, by the way, here you can have rooms in the temple. Is this guy crazy? This guy lost his mind. What is wrong with him? The temple was a place for worship and a sacrifice to God. It was the place where people would come and encounter God to meet with God. It was a holy place. It was a consecrated place. And now the priest gave a room to the enemy of God, to the enemy of those who would come to the temple. Now, I want you to say, what does that have to do with us? It has everything to do with us. There's a picture and a principle that I'm going to show you this morning. Okay. First of all, Eliashib, the priest was the one who was appointed and had the authority over the house of God, over the temple of God. And what does he do? He says, oh, come on, man. I'm going to give you a room in here. Let me take you to a couple of New Testament scriptures. Let me give you this. First of all, I want you to understand something. Every believer in this place this morning, every believer, say every believer, every believer is a priest. Did you know that? Now, listen to me for a minute. Sometimes some of you in here have a Catholic background, and you're thinking of a Catholic priest. That's not what we're talking about. Not a vocational service. Not something that you're doing in, in, in a Catholic church or something like that. The Bible talks about we are a priest. We are, we are there to perform a sacrifice to God, worship to God. Paul talked about being a priest whose offering to God were the Gentiles that were getting saved. Okay, so as a priest, we are serving God, mediating for God, worshiping, sacrificing. Now, here's what the Bible tells us. Now, let me give you a couple of scriptures. First Peter chapter two says this, but you, well, let me start with Revelation chapter one. I want to go to Revelation chapter one. And he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and father, to him be the glory and dominion forever and ever. The Bible says there was a transaction that took place. On Calvary's cross, when Jesus died, the blood was shed. There was a transaction that took place. You and I were transferred from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of life. And we were made something. We were made priest 
And the Bible tells us in Revelation chapter 5 that we were made kings. Kings and priests. Say, I'm a priest. Okay, you're a priest. Now, let me tell you what Peter said. Peter said, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you mo-pro... You mo-pro... You mo-pro... Will somebody read this for me? <laughs> Obviously, I can't get it out. So, <laughs> you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You're a priest. Now, let me show you this. But not only is every believer a priest, but also every believer is a temple. Say, I'm a temple. I mean, some temples are bigger than others. Right? You're a temple. Let me give you some scriptures to back this up. I'm trying to give you some scriptures. I'm trying to give you some principles. All right? First of all, Paul said to the Corinthians in chapter 3, verse 16, do you not know that you are a temple of God and that the Spirit of God dwells in you? All right? Listen to me. Just stop there for a moment. Aren't you glad you don't have to go to a building to meet with God? That God wants to meet you in a human temple, in a fleshly temple in this temple that he has created, all right? He said in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, or do you not know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have from God, and that you're not your own? Okay, so here's what we got. We got a premise. Our premise is this morning that the New Testament teaches us that the old, listen to me, that the old covenant is gone. I mean, Jesus fulfilled it. And as a new covenant, he comes in, by his blood, and he makes us something we never were before that. We are now, you and I, we are both believers and a temple of the Holy Ghost, a temple of the Holy Spirit. Okay, so what does that have to do with this? It has everything to do with this. Let me show you a couple things. We'll go, like, we'll start a new year. I'll be 20 minutes. All right, let me show you something. First of all, let's take a look at this scripture. Now, prior to this, Eliashib, the priest, who was appointed over the chambers of the house of God. Let me say this to you this morning. Every priest has an appointment from God. Every one of you in this house this morning, you have an appointment from God. I'm not talking about specific callings. I'm not talking about specific uh, giftings. I'm not talking about, you know, uh, getting it so micro uh, uh, to micro. I'm just talking about the macro. Everybody has an appointment from God. What are those appointments from God? One is what Peter said, is we are to proclaim his excellencies. Come on. (laughs) You know, I talked to you last week. What did John say? Repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Jesus said what? Repent for the kingdom of heaven. Look at the excellencies of his kingdom and change the way that you think. The fact of the matter is, every believer is a priest and a temple of God to proclaim the excellencies of God. Now, all right, the second thing, every believer has an appointment from God to bring him glory. Every believer, aren't you glad it's just not for the stars? It's just not for the pastor, the preacher, the singer, the worship leader. It's for the businessman. It's for the businesswoman. That you have an appointment from God to serve as a king and a priest of God, to bring glory to God and to proclaim his excellencies. To bring him glory. Every believer has an appointment from God. According to Revelation chapter 5 verse 10. To reign upon the earth. 
Come on. To reign. To reign upon the earth. There's an appointment from God upon your life. There's an appointment from God upon my life. There's an appointment upon every priest and every person in here who's a priest and a temple to display the excellencies of God, to bring glory to his name and to reign. Come on, listen to me this morning. You have been called to reign in life. You just have. Look at this. Eliashib had an appointment. But that appointment was corrupted because he gave Tobiah a room in the very temple he had an appointment over. Listen to me this morning. You have an appointment over this temple. You have an appointment. Good hands, right? I got good hands. Listen, you have an appointment from God as a priest over this temple. Not this house, you know, although that connects to it. This temple right here, you have an appointment over. So why in the world would a man like Eliashib, who was the priest of God, give a room to a man named Tobiah, who was an enemy of God, who opposed what God was doing? I'm going to show you. He being over the chambers of the house of God, being related to Tobiah. Uh Uh-oh. Here comes, I don't know if he was a cousin, uncle, I don't know. But here's Tobiah. Get this principle. Who I value determines who gets a room in the temple. Who I value determines who gets a room in the temple. Can I just tell you, listen to me. There are some people that aren't getting a room in my house. Come on. I'm just telling you. Some of you, you make the cut. Listen. There are some people, you ain't getting a room in the house. That's just all there is. If, if, you, if, if, you're a, make this, if you're a child predator, you're not getting a room in my house. If you're a murderer, you're not getting a room in my house. If you're, if you're, if you're a, a thief, you're not getting a room in my house. There are certain people who aren't getting a room in the house. All right? And yet, sometimes, let's think about it. Let's be honest for a moment. There are some people in our lives that we value more than God. Uh-oh. There are some things in our life that we value more than God. Therefore, we will give that a place in our life where God's supposed to be. Anybody know what I'm talking about? It's awfully quiet in here when I said that. That there's some things, if we're honest, and we really are truly honest, and how many know we can't even recognize this on our own? How many know it takes the Spirit of God to point it out? Because how many know we can be blinded? That there's sometimes, come on, come on, let's, let's, just, let's, just, let's just really, let's just really come down. You know, I know that some of you are way more spiritual than I am. You, you've told me. Okay? But let's just, let's, just, let's just see how, just like, human we can be for a moment. Carson or God? Now, I know the right answer. Just let me put that out there. I know the right answer. Let me know what I'm talking about. Hmm? Okay, how do you know? Okay. If I lose a son, do I turn my back on God? 
Come on. Some of you know what I'm talking about this morning. If I lose my health, do I turn my back on God? If I lose my money, do I turn my house? In other words, how many of sometimes trial, hardship will often be a mirror to what you value the most in life? You see, who gets what in my life determines on how much value I put on it. I remember I was talking to Peter the other day, years ago, before Ted Haggard had his fall in Colorado Springs, the, the, I forget the name of his church, New Life? I think it was New Life, New Life Church. I went to Colorado Springs and there was a group of us went there. It was a nice building. But I, you looked around, you could tell where they put their value. They didn't put value in godliness. They didn't put value in extremes. You could tell they put their value in their money in communicating, the lights, the sound equipment. Everything was about what they did, their communication. They didn't put a lot of value in something else. You know, you can go to somebody's house and you can look at what they value. You can go to a business and you can determine a value system. You can go to a museum. You can go, you know, a lot of people get an esteem from the things they collect. All right. The fact of the matter is what you, det- what you value in life, what you value will determine who gets a room. Eliashib was a priest of God over the temple of God. And he valued his relationship more with Tobiah than he did with God. Therefore, here's a room in the house of God. I don't know about you, but that sometimes challenges me. Because nowhere in my life should there be anything that has more value than God. Wife, husband, kids, job, money. It just shouldn't. Because the moment that thing values, has more value to me than God, it's got a room it doesn't, it doesn't deserve. Paul said this. He said, do not be bound together with unbelievers. For what partnership have righteousness and lawlessness? Or what fellowship has light with darkness? Or what harmony has Christ with Belial? And what has a believer in common with an unbeliever? Or what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For we are the temple of the living God. In other words, how many know that, that I'm not talking about, and Paul's not talking about, not associating with an unbeliever. But how many know we are not to be bound and yoked up in agreement with unbelievers? Right? I'm just not to be. This is what this priest was doing. He was binding himself in agreement with Tobiah, who was an enemy of God's people. Listen to me. There are things in your life that the enemy wants you to bind yourself to that are in opposition to the very purpose of you being a temple. All right? What you devour, who you value determines who gets the room. The rooms of our, every part of our life, every part of our life is to be used for the glory of God. How many know we like to compartmentalize? This is what I do at church. This is what I do here. This is what I do there. We are never to be different in church than we are someplace else. I I hope to be the same goof off the platform that I am on the platform. Can I get an amen? Can I get an assurance that I am? (laughs) I'm amazed sometimes. I meet a lot of pastors. They got a platform persona. They got an office persona. They got a personal life persona. Just be yourself. 
just be weird or goofy or whatever you are everywhere you are. I, I like, I, 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 sometimes you got the guys who they get the preacher voice on. Like, you, you're, you're with them seven days a week. You hear how they talk, and then they get a mic. Oh, let's say the Lord. Now, do not be bound together with unbelievers. Like, who, where'd he go? Like, what happened to him? Every part of our life. Stop compartmentalizing it. Stop saying this is God's and this is mine. Stop compartmentalizing your life. Every room of your life, every facet of your life is to bring glory to God, excellence to God, praise to God, honor to God. But we compartmentalize. The rooms of our lives we give to the enemy, rob that room of the purpose it exists for. Think about this. Now watch this. Because who controls the room controls the purpose. I get out of order on my keynote. They're back there going, what's he doing? I'm all over the place. Who controls the room controls the purpose of the room. I'm not going into the craft room and changing its purpose. I want to live. Okay? Now, 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 she tried to turn my office into a craft room, but that's okay. (laughs) Right? Think about this. When you control the room, you're dictating what it's used for. You're dictating its purpose. You're dictating. Who controls the room controls the purpose of the room. Now, stick with me for a minute. Watch what happens. Go to the Bible. Back to the Bible. Being related to Tobiah had prepared a large room for him, where formerly they put the grain offerings, the frankincense, the utensils, and the tithes of grain, wine, and oil prescribed for the Levites, the singers, and the gatekeepers, and the contributions for the priests. You notice that word? Formally. Formally. These rooms were formally used for the frankincense, for the grain offering, for the tithe. And now, because Eliashib the priest had an alliance with Tobiah, now that room was stripped of its very purpose And now the temple was robbed by this man. Do you understand this morning that the enemy wants to have a room in your place? He wants to have a room in your temple so that he can rob that room of its purpose in your life. Okay, let's talk about some of those rooms for a moment. Let's talk about money. Let's talk about money for a minute. He's going to talk about a tithing message. No, I'm not. I'm just telling you. That the enemy, in this portion of scripture, one of the things that happened was the house of God and the men of God and the people of God suffered because there was a man named Tobiah that took the room where the offerings were supposed to be. Can I say to you this morning that there's times in your life where the enemy says, I want control of the money room. That money is supposed to be used for the glory of God. And yet sometimes he's been able to steal and take that room. What are some other rooms? Hmm? Let's, talk about, let's talk about this one. Let's talk about the room of your giftings and your callings. Hmm? 
How about the room? And again, we're not, we're not trying to compartment our lives. We're just talking about segments. How about worship. This, these rooms were used for the worship of God. What about that place? What about that? What about that in your life? Like, like, like some of you can't get outside of yourself and worship the God who saved you. Some of us have so much problem. We, we, we can get passionate about anything in life except the worship of God. You know why? Because that is hidden in a room called pride. Oh, baby. It's locked up in that room of self. Somebody got to give Tobiah the boot. Think about this for a moment. We get locked up. We have rooms locked up in denominationalism. All this stuff, I could go on and on and on. But the overall principle is that who controls the room controls the purpose of the room. And when Tobiah has control of the room, he robs the temple of its purpose. He robs the temple. See, here's the thing I want you to catch this morning. I thought about this. I said, I don't understand. I said, I don't understand. Tobiah hated everything that was going on. He hated the wall being rebuilt. He hated what Nehemiah was doing. Opposed it. Came against it. Obviously was opposing God. So what did he want with a room in the temple of God? Why would he want a room in the temple of God? Why do I want to be where the worship of God is? Why do I want to be where the presence of God? Why do I want to be there? Why? Because let me give you this. Tobiah isn't after a room. He's after a temple. I read something early this morning that I never knew in my life. I never knew this. And I added it to our slides. Let me show you the next slide. Do you know what this is? This is called Tobiah's Temple. I had never heard of Tobiah's Temple until this morning, early. That Tobiah, so let me show you what happens. Let me go down back to our, our text this morning. At verse six, but during all this time, I was not in Jerusalem. For in the 32nd year of Artaxerxes, king of Babylon, I had gone to the king. Listen to me. Let me stop there for a moment. Maybe even another principle has nothing to do with the slide. In the absence of godly authority, there'll be an imposter authority that'll set up shop. God places godly and spiritual authority over people to keep false authority out. Godly authority used correctly is always a blessing to the people. Always. Has there been abuse of God, the authority? Yes. Have pastors abused it? Yes. Have churches abused it? Yes. Has it been used to harm people? Yes. But don't you ever allow that to distract you from what is good. Godly authority protects the house. It just does. Listen to me. Okay, I'm going to meddle for a moment. Husbands, wives, whatever. All right. Your authority as a king and priest of God over your temple guards your house. That's us. So Nehemiah shows up. He's gone. While he's gone, Eliashib makes an alliance with Tobiah. Tobiah gets a room in the temple. The temple's being robbed. 
and watch what happens. After some time, I asked to leave from the king, and I came to Jerusalem, and I learned about the evil that Eliashib had done for Tobiah by preparing a room for him in the courts of the house of God. It was very displeasing to me. So I threw all of Tobiah's household goods out of the room. <laughs> now, literally, the word literally means throw and cast. I, I just love Nehemiah. He's a lunatic. Like, you read lunatic. He's ripped. He, he's one time, he's so mad, he's ripping beards out of guys. Like, he's, he's grabbing a guy by the beard. Okay? He's nuts. Okay? okay? I want you to work today. I want you to work, and I want you to have a sword on at the same time. All right? If they come, kill him. Like, Nehemiah, you got to love Nehemiah. He walks in, he sees this, he takes the stuff and literally throws it out of the temple. Get that stuff out of the house of my God. Get that stuff out of here. You're squatting, you've made an alliance with evil. I want this stuff out of here. And now here's what, here's what they believe happened. That he then, he went off, here's what one writer went. Wrote. One writer said that Tobiah went off in the huff and built his own temple and his own royal palace, which was located on the Transjordan and his native homeland of the Ammonites. That temple can be seen today with amazing full-size rock-carved lions all the way around the top of the temple. He, okay, listen to me. Tobiah's not after a room. He's after the temple. The enemy of your life, the enemy of your soul, he doesn't want a room. He wants the whole thing. The room is the pathway to the temple. And when he didn't get the room and he got thrown out, he says, I'll go build an imposter temple somewhere else. This is the Antichrist spirit. The Antichrist spirit is always opposing the work of God and will set itself up in its own temple, but it's not the temple of God. His sole motive was proven by his actions when he got thrown out. Tobiah could not Get the temple. There are some rooms in our lives that Tobiah needs kicked out of. It's amazing to me. How many know this was a restored new temple that was built? The Babylonians had destroyed the temple, Solomon's temple. They destroyed it when the people went into captivity. God sends the people back to rebuild that temple. To rebuild that city. And anytime God is trying to build something new, the enemy is trying to get a piece of it. The enemy is trying to get a piece of it. And listen to me this morning. God wants to do something new in your life. And the way the enemy wants to infiltrate it is, let me have a little room. Let me have a little room. If I can just have a little room, I can disrupt what God is doing. If I can just have a little room. Listen to me. As a priest of God, you have an appointment over your temple. As a priest of God, you are to be in agreement with God, not in agreement with Tobiah. You're not to be in agreement with God here, in agreement with Tobiah here. We're not to have multiple agreements. Have you ever met people who have multiple agreements? It just all depends on who they're with at the moment. <laughs> right? Follow some politicians. As a priest of God, your agreement with him is greater than all agreements. Elias Shib had an agreement with God, so it should have overrode any agreement he had with Tobiah. As a priest of God, you have a mandate. 
And that mandate is to keep his temple holy. As a priest of God, this temple I'm to ensure is used for the worship of God, for the glory of God, for the praise of God, for the worship of God, so that the world can see the excellencies of him who called us. All of the temple, whatever is occupied by Tobiah will not bring praise to God. Whatever is occupied by Tobiah will not display his excellencies. If Tobiah controls my mind, my mind loses its purpose for God. And how many know if he controls my mind, he'll control just about every other aspect of my life. Why do you think, why do you think the devil lies to you? Why do you think he wants you to doubt God's word? Why do you think he's always coming and saying, now, ah, you know, do you really believe what God's word says? Like back to the garden. Did God really say? If Tobiah controls my heart, how many know he controls my affections? If he controls my mouth, then my mouth loses its purpose. If he, Tobiah controls my money, my money loses its purpose. You can't give a room to Tobiah and expect that part of your temple to be used for the glory of God, which then, come on, because how many know when you use something for the glory of God in your life, it actually is to his benefit and yours? The fact is, all of us have some rooms that maybe have a little Tobiah in it. But this is a year that we're going to, this is a month we're going to focus on. We're going to focus on the old is gone, the new has come. Out with the old, in with the new. You see, because Nehemiah comes, and he says, oh, who let this happen? Get that stuff out of here. I just love that. I just, I just, I would just like to see Nehemiah thing. Excuse me, you're being evicted. Just start tossing stuff out. Just tossing this stuff out in the street. Some of you are saying, well, that's not very loving. He's not called to be loving at that point. He's cleansing the temple. Remember, let me tell you about another guy. Let me tell you about this guy named Jesus. Anybody ever heard of him? I just thought. See, Jesus shows up one day at the temple. When he shows up at the temple, all of a sudden, the corrupt priesthood. How many know there was a corrupt priesthood in the day of Jesus? These priests who were to be doing the things of God, promoting the worship of God, who were to be, uh, 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 who were to be in alliance with God, he comes to a corrupt temple that had been robbed of its purpose, stripped of its purpose, because they gave Tobiah a place in that temple. Jesus says, oh, no, 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 no. I'm going to make a whip. <laughs> That's not very loving. <laughs> Give me that whip. Now, I'm a, he starts flipping tables. He starts throwing people out. He starts cracking a whip. I just love that scene. I just imagine it. Can you imagine it? I, I just like to like, I just, like, just throw this off here right now and see if you imagine that. Okay. I mean, money's flowing on the floor. Money changers, the money's, the money's flying. Doves are flying. Animals are squawking. People are running. It's crazy. This guy's got a whip. He says, you've taken my father's house and you have made it a den of robbers, a den of thieves. I'm getting you out of here so I can institute the new, so I can restore its purpose. 
Listen to me this morning. The message is simple. Throw Tobiah out. Throw him out. Throw him out. Anybody ever recognize Tobiah? How many of you say this morning, you don't have to show your hand, you don't have to show your hand, that you got a couple of rooms maybe Tobiah's been squatting in? Huh? He's been squatting in. Let me tell you something. Nothing good comes out of the rooms that Tobiah lives in. He will rob you of your joy. I'm going to talk. He will rob you of your joy. He will rob you of your passion. He will rob you of your love. He will, he will cause all kinds of garbage in your life. Get rid of them. Throw them out. But here's the great thing about it. Come on, Troy. Sometimes, here's the great thing about God. Sometimes, I don't have the ability to throw them out. I might have a willingness. But let me say something to you this morning. Because the Bible talks to me about how the Spirit of God will put to death the deeds of the body. Let me say this to you this morning. There might be some things in your life saying, I've been trying to get rid of this, and I've been trying to get rid of the body, and I want this gone, and it's been just, it comes, it comes back, and it comes back. Listen to me this morning. Come into agreement with Jesus. And he will cast Tobiah out. Come into agreement with Jesus. And he will cast Tobiah out. Aren't you glad for that? You see, because that's where the hope lies in. Because it's not about me throwing Tobiah out in my strength. It's about Tobiah getting thrown out in his strength. That it's not a work of the flesh. It's a work of the spirit. But it is a work of agreement. It is a work of agreement. That when I come into agreement with him, he will cleanse his temple. As a priest of God, as me, the priest of my, of my temple, you, the priest of your temple, come into agreement. Because listen to me, you're not the high priest. He's the high priest. And I come into agreement with the high priest. He will be the one who cleanses this temple and causes Tobiah to be driven out. Tobiah's got to go. Tobiah's got to go. He's not after the room. He's after the temple. He's not after the room. He wants the temple. So, Father, this morning in this house, we start off this new year, January 7th. First of all, recognizing our identity and our calling as a priest of God. That we're a priest in the image of God. With a calling and an appointment and a mandate upon our life. And that mandate is to be appointed to proclaim your excellencies. To let a world see how awesome you are, how great you are. We have an appointment to bring you glory. All of our life, all of our rooms, all of our compartments. That no longer are they compartmentalized. But we say, all of my life is to bring you glory. That we would understand this morning. 
that the Bible says we're a temple of the Holy Spirit. We're the priest over our temple. This is a temple you've made to be holy. It's a temple where you are glorified, where you are worshipped. This temple of the Holy Spirit. And we would say this morning, we're not given to buy a room. The rooms he has, he's got to go. The rooms that he has, he's got to go. We're going to throw them out. And we also say that there's it's not a work of the flesh, it's a work of the spirit. And we say this morning, that Father, I'm going to come into agreement with you. That there's rooms in our life that we can't even see. Eliashib was blinded, I think. There was a, I think there was a blindness that went on in his life. And sometimes we're blinded to the places that Tobiah has taken root in. And we would ask you by the Spirit of God to enlighten and to show us and to put your finger on things and that you would drive those things out. Because what we want this year, we want to be out with the old and in with the new. We want to walk in the power and the potential of the promises that you have made in your scriptures about new. The old is gone. The new has come. We're a new creation. We're going to talk about these things. We're going to talk about how we step into these things. But Father, let us start with a premise. Tobiah's got no place. Tobiah has no place in my life. Tobiah has no place in my temple. Tobiah's got to go. And this day we declare and we, we dedicate and we purpose in our hearts that we're going to throw them out. Come on, stand up with me. This is what I want you to do. I'm doing an altar call this morning. I'm going to give you homework, and this homework is, I want you to go home, and I want you to somewhere, sometime, I want you to get alone. Get alone with God. And don't talk. Be quiet for a while. I mean, there's a spiritual discipline called silence. It's amazing what will happen when you exercise a spiritual discipline called silence, where you're not doing all the talking, and God's up there going, oh my goodness, would you just be quiet for a minute? I want you to be silent. But in that purpose, the purpose of that is for the Spirit of God to illuminate and point to Tobiah. And then I want you to come into agreement and say, you know what? Got to go. Got to go. Get him out. Got to go. I'm going to come into agreement with you, Jesus. I want him thrown out. I want him to go. I'm giving you permission to do whatever you want in this house. This is your temple. You rearrange the furniture. You set it up as you want. You get rid of that stuff. You get rid of it. Because this is the year. Out with the old. This month, we're going to celebrate. Out with the old. In with the new. New thinking. New attitude. All these things we're going to talk about in the next few weeks. How many of you commit to saying, Tobias got to go? So, Father, bless your people. Speak to them. Speak to them. Speak to me. Speak to us. As we would commit to taking a moment, to silencing ourselves in your presence, so that you can, as you do, lovingly, gently, Put your finger on some rooms.
where Tobiah might be at. In Jesus' name, amen.